welcome everybody back to Soul Focus Podcast. Uh, we're gonna in this podcast. Uh, this has been such a, a brilliant experience for me. We're continuing our interview with our CEO of the Soul Focus Group, my brother Madi. Um, Madi, you want to say something to the people? Uh, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. We want to thank you for your support, and we want to let you know that everything that we are doing, we want to assist you in helping you to grow. And, you know, and because when we say that, it's like assisting you to show up whole and complete, to show up as you really are and not as we've been uh, socialized to believe that we are, which is incomplete and not enough. That is not true. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, so for the listeners who uh, followed us in the last podcast, one of the things we really started to do is hear more about Madi's journey, Madi's story. And one of the things that really just jumped out and I, I still sits with me from the last conversation is the level of compassion that Mahdi showed for both his mother and his father. And I know for me, you know, I went through years of therapy and so much of my therapy was about really judging what my parents did or did not do um, for me. And, you know, the really having a lot of harshness in relationship to them. And lo and behold, I was an adult playing out some of the same things that they were doing. And I, you know, my dear, I, I just, you know, your, your compassion is, 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 is remarkable um, and, and spot on. And I just want to see if you want to speak to that, um, especially, of course, in relationship to your parents and the story that you've been sharing with the, with the listening audience and with me about your childhood. Right. I want, I want to say this when we use the word compassion, my uh, interpretation of that is, you know, you are presenting the truth in such a way where it's calling passion to come out of you. Mm-hmm. So you could hear when someone has compassion, not because they're feeling sorry for someone else, but because it's bringing out, out of them passion. Mm-hmm. So what you're hearing is when I talk about my parents, I'm talking about them with passion. And I'm talking about because the, the passion came, compassion. The passion within me for them comes out, right? Right. And and the reason why it comes out is because I realize that who I am, I am a, to large due because of who they were and what they created with their life or didn't create with their life uh, left became the obstacle course that I had to climb through in order for me to uh, get to appreciate all of who I am. Now, I remember I used to judge first my mother because, like I said, she was declared unfit. And let me let me tell you this story, because you really got to get how how much of a challenge this was for me, because when my when we were removed from our mother, when I was five years old by the sheriff department, we were brought to our grandmother's house where my where she had four four of her sons still living at home and her only daughter. So we would be we would we would go stay with her until the trial date come where we were brought to trial uh, in terms that they were going to decide who, what custody they was going to put us in and, you know, who's going to go to, go to our daddy or was going to go to our mother. Well, our mother didn't show up in the courtroom. Hmm. That was the first thing. Second hmm. thing, when the judge said, announced that he would be putting, putting us in the custody of our father, he walked out of the courtroom. Wow. And at that moment, the judge said he would have no choice but to put us in state's custody. Wow. And when he said that, which is basically, you know, child protection Mm -hmm. or foster care, 
Mm-hmm. When he said that, my grandmother, Pearl W. Davenport, stood up and she said, the hell with some state's custody. That's my grandchildren. They're coming to live with me. And she knew the judge, you know, being a little small little country town, you know, he went on ahead and went with her, with her wishes. And we so we went and lived with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So so here it is. My mother's not in my life. You know, she she doesn't come back into my life till I'm 15. My daddy lives across town with his new wife and my you know brothers and sisters that they had in their marriage. And uh, we hardly ever see him. The only time he comes around is when we start playing Little League football. So just I wanted to put it. Both of them, in my eyes, I struggled with a lot to find my compassion for them. You know, and I used, I would judge my daddy. I would judge the decisions that I saw him make. And then as I grew into an adult myself, I found myself being put in some of those same situations and having to make a decision. And I saw that I wasn't making decisions no better than he was. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so right. in seeing that, I, it, it caused me to remove my judgment that I made against him and to remove the judgment I made with, against my mother because those judgments that I made against them had become judgments on my life. Right. That's right. That's Spiritually, right. they had become judgments on my life because I even trained my brain to be on the lookout for those events that I saw them make poor decisions from. Hmm. So I was on the lookout for those events. And that meant what ended up happening. I attracted those events. <laughs> right, right. Because the universe right. said, okay, you can do better. All right, since you're going to judge, because that's what your judgment is, especially when you're talking about your parents. You, you're telling the universe, I could have did better if it was me. The universe said, okay, we're going we gonna to create some situations <laughs> like that. And we're going to see what your ass going to do. Mm-hmm. And every time I find myself, damn, I end up re- having more respect for my father than I did at the beginning because of because of me being confronted by events like that. Right. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, bro. Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm grateful to have people that will be interested in hearing it. Yeah. Because I know that there are so many people who are still trapped uh in in the shoe, so to speak. You know, and when I, I use the term shoe, talking about you are trapped in the past or the future. You're not present. You're not all here now. Right. Right. You know, and that's like living in a shoe. You're living in a shoe. There's, there's, you could have, you go, your problems could stack up from here to the, to, to kingdom come. You're not going to be able to solve any of them because problems can only be solved in the now. Right. And right. being now means you are showing up whole in order to, to be punched in as present on the clock. Right. 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 It has absolutely been a prison for so many of us, the trauma from the past and and our we haven't had the the perception to reconcile that in a way that is soul focused. So much of our reconciliation or attempted reconciliation has come through an ego madness lens. Um, so I appreciate the glimpse of freedom that you're giving all of us through that conversation um, in relationship to your parents. You know, you know, bro, one, one of the things I really want to touch on, because I know your college years um, and your exposure to organized religion, um, you know, both in your younger years, but especially in your college years has been very pivotal in terms of your growth. Um, One of your mentors, of course, uh, has been named as Elijah Muhammad. And uh, I know a lot of people don't know this story about you, but I want you to just touch on your exposure relationship to organized religion and how that has contributed to your journey. Well, there's a part of it that, you know, that maybe you don't know, because uh, I don't, I, I talk about bits and pieces of my life, uh, but 
I was ordained or called to the ministry at the age of 16. And I would become a minister at Pleasant Green Baptist Church, who was pastored by I.J. Joyner, uh, a fraternity brother of mine, older brother. He he was he became one of my first mentors. Uh, you know, they would be a, a backbone in my life at a very unstable point. You know, uh, Miss Wright, who was one of his daughters in the church, she would do so much, so many things with young people that that was like one of the points in times in my life where I actually felt loved and cared about because these people who were not a part of our quote unquote family were demonstrating family values to us. Mm-hmm. And it was giving us a different look at what love looks like healthy. Right. Cause see, you could have love and be unhealthy and how your love comes out is going to be unhealthy, but that right. don't mean you don't have love. Right. There's no human being that is without love. We just not our mind is not well or it is well. If our mind is well, your the love will show in a well way. Right. If right. the mind is ill, then the way we demonstrate love is gonna come out ugly. And we'll right. come out making songs like love don't love nobody. What, what kind of <laughs> shit is that, right? So <laughs> you know our mind is unwell if we talk about love don't love nobody. Yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but uh, so I was orda- I was ordained at at 16. I was offered, you know, to become a, a youth pastor in a church in Port Arthur where my mother lived, and I turned it down because what I started noticing in the church was among the the ministers was that they weren't serious. Mm-hmm. What I meant by that is that they were had the language, but they wasn't practicing. And I would begin to see how their practice and their language did not match. And as a as a an, a, a, an eager, ambitious, and and sincere at the same time, young man who who was on fire, quote unquote, for the gospel, to see that not matching left a bad taste in my mouth, and it was not what I was looking for. I did not find what right. I was looking for was a pure expression of love. Right. Even though I didn't know what that was at the time, I knew what I would have felt it when I came into contact with it. Mm-hmm. So that pure that pure expression of love was for me to find my way to remembering how to show up whole again mm-hmm. after I had, you know, started habitually not showing up whole, which means I had already gotten to my ego mind. Right. 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 So I, I would do that until maybe 21, 22. Then I'm in college at the same time. And I become the vice president of NAACP on campus and uh, president of uh, Student Congress for, Congress for African-American Culture at that time. And I was also a dean's list student at that time. Right. And I remember, you know, that there were there was a racial a racial riot that took place on campus that I was involved in. And I organized, you know, uh, my teammates of color and white to stand up against what happened. There was a white fraternity that beat up four black girls on the, on the basketball team when they were walking through student union. Damn. And they refused to put those white guys out of school. Shit. And where I had a, a sort of like a conversion or an awakening was I went to a meeting where the local ministers from the community in Lake Charles had came to the meeting. And at this meeting were all the you know, the, the high up representatives for the university, which were all white. Mm-hmm. And even though all those ministers were there protesting 
they told the ministers right to their face, we are not throwing these kids out of school. Hmm. Hmm. And, and I watched those ministers walk out basically with their head between their legs. Defeated. Huh? Defeated. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, this supposed to be the, the most, you know, the powerful men in the community. And these people ain't didn't even move when we had all the justice behind our side. And, you know, because the girls were beat up by these bodies. Gave up one girl a, a black eye, uh, almost broke another one's arm. It was wow. real bad. And they didn't want to put these 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 uh these dudes out of school because right. their, their parents were connected in the, you know, as alumni. Right. So when I saw that, I was like. It, it made me believe and see where's the power in what I was believing because mm. I was a full-fledged Christian and there's nothing wrong with being a Christian, nothing wrong with being a Muslim, a Hindu, a, a Jew, or you know, a Muslim. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, right? Right. Or Buddhist, you feel me? Right, right. The point was, I was so much in my ego that Christianity, when you're in your ego, is one thing. Christianity is something else when you're in your soul. Mm-hmm. When you're soul focused, Christianity can work. When you're ego focused, Christianity will not work. Right. When right. you are, when you you're thinking like ego in Islam, it ain't gonna work. Right. You, th- you know what I'm saying? If you're thinking right. like soul, it will work. Every right. religion will work if you're thinking from soul. Right. No religion will work if you're thinking from ego. In right. other words, it's going to create into your life the opposite result of what the religion said it's going to do. Right. 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 So here, here, here was people showing up opposite of what they were preaching all over the damn place. Mm. And then they come to this meeting and, and these white folks don't even respect them. I was like, why would I why would I want to seek to become that? Right. Right. So right. that sent me on a journey, on a journey to remember. And I say remember versus to, uh, to learn, because there's nothing you have to learn about yourself. There are things you have to remember. Right. So, you, so you expose yourself to different environments to have yourself be triggered, have your memory be triggered so you can remember who in the fuck you are. Right. Because until you remember that, you're going to walk around here thinking you don't know. <laughs> but how could you not know? Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, you are the only motherfucker who know. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I do. I do. And we be talking about, I don't know myself. You stop talking crazy. Just recognize that there's some <laughs> things that you don't remember, right. but you do know. It is right. impossible for an elephant not to know it's an elephant. Right, right. It's impossible for a snake to not know it's a snake. Just like right. it's impossible for you to not know who you are. Right. You just have amnesia and got to come out of your damn amnesia. And what it takes to come out of amnesia is for you to accept responsibility for your fucking life. Hmm, hmm responsibility yes you got to accept responsibility for your life so it means you got to accept responsibility for the ingredients that make up your life and what is your life made up of primarily the ingredients are experience right that's the primary ingredient of life experience that's why soul is here to have some of the primary ingredients right right you feel what i'm saying i do so, so the quality of experiences we're creating is not bringing happiness to us that means we're showing up with incomplete experiences. So we're eating incompletes versus eating completes. And mm. what, guess, guess what the soul wants? The soul wants complete experiences. Right. So so as you were on your process of remembering, where did that lead you? Well, that's what I'm getting ready to tell you. Because when I saw 
that it was no power that with the power I was looking for, I did not see. I started, you know, doing research. I started, well, I, this would happen. I, I, we had an event, the Student Congress for African-American Culture had a, an event where one, my, my, uh, the vice president of the organization, his name was Joe, uh, Brother Joe, right? Mm-hmm. I can't remember Brother Joe's last name. Brother Joe was also a minister. Brother Joe had came into contact uh, with a, a video of Minister Farrakhan speaking in New Orleans in 1988 at the convention center. And everybody, there was a buzz about this black man that's talking crazy about white folks, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was like, we were like hiding to look at it. It was almost like we were all watching the porno, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so we in the corner watching it, and and he and Minister Farrakhan started talking. I was like, who in the hell is this man? Yeah. And I was like, where in the hell does he have the nerve to say what he's saying? And mm. the more I heard him saying what he's saying, I was like, oh my God, that's what I'm looking for. I'm right. looking for that power. Right. You know? And so I, I didn't know way I fell in love with what I heard. I was like, oh my God. So that would take me to the nation mm. of Islam. When I moved mm. to New Orleans, I would become a part of the nation. And gradually what I began to see is that there were more people who were, had the language but wasn't practicing. That was a mm. common theme. Mm. So I started in Christianity. Then when I went to Islam, I saw people talking the language but not practicing it. In other words, they weren't serious. Right, right. So is there is there one thing that happened that showed you that, or was it just a series of experiences that taught you that? It was a series of experiences and hustles. Because mm. I saw people, you know, I, I grew up around uncles who, who were street masters. Mm-hmm. So every hustle there was, they had taught yeah. me the hustles. Right. So right. I would find myself in the mosque being hustled by, people, by officials, hustled. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like, I know how the feeling that you feel when you're being hustled. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the nation. The nation has its place, just like Christianity has its place. But if you keep showing up to, uh, to the nation uh, in ego thinking, it ain't going to work. Right. Right. If you show up to the nation in soul focused thinking or soul psychology, soul focused psychology, it will work. Right. Right. So what I was discovering as I was going through, because I, then I would go into studying, you know, Buddhism, right? Right. And I would go to, you know, some of the, uh, the meetings where meditation and whatnot going. And guess what I saw? The same thing. The people, hustle. Yeah, the people talking the language but not practicing. Right, right, right. And so, 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 my dear, I want to, I want to capture something right now because I want, mm-hmm. I want to capture this to, to really hone in on the difference between the practice again. And the because uh, I mean because you're talking about religion and so many of our listeners have tried to find their way through Buddhism through the through Christianity through Islam uh, how do they how do they make that differentiation between ego and soul showing up in those spaces? Well, for one, I want you to just think about what soul focused psychology is. Soul focused psychology is you thinking and moving in harmony with your whole self, your complete self. So you're showing up whole when you think like soul. Don't that rhyme? You're showing up whole <laughs> when you think like soul. Yeah. All right. So now imagine a church with everybody whole, thinking like soul. Mm-hmm. What, what, how different would church be? Mm-hmm. Nobody putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Nobody caring about what the other person thinks about them. They're all 100% present in the moment of not just the, the preaching, 
but the, the singing, but they are present to everybody around them. They are in appreciation of everybody in the building and everybody is demonstrating this level of appreciation and joy and happiness. It is just flowing everywhere because everybody is present in the moment. They're all showing up whole. No one in the building is insecure. Mm-hmm. 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 How different would church be? Uh, that'd put, be a quantum leap. Exactly. Now put those people in the mosque. Mm-hmm. Put those same people in a, a Buddhist temple. Put those same people in, in the Hindu temple. And guess mm-hmm. what you're going to get? The same thing. A lot of power. A lot of power because people are showing up whole and complete. I heard one. I heard a, a, a dog trainer, my daughters, go to 4-H and their 4-H, they're part of the 4-H that they're focused on happens to be training dogs and caring for dogs. Mm-hmm. And so there's this master trainer who's teaching them how to train dogs. And every time I go, it's like he's talking straight to me, knowing what I do. And he really start he really start going off. He really start dropping gems. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But one of the things he said uh, uh, that was so profound for me, he has a, a giant schnauzer. And that's a beautiful dog, black. I mean, it's I mean, and it's a very dangerous dog. And he says, you know, you, if you if you see what this dog would do to a human being, you be you might be afraid of it. He said, but don't be afraid. He says, because he is so confident in himself that he won't even pay attention to y'all. I was like, I had to write that down. I got on my phone and wrote that down. I was like, damn. I was like, you ain't talking about dogs. You're talking about human beings. Yeah, yeah, Because Because what he was saying was, as as long as this dog trusts himself, which is what confidence is, he won't worry about no other dogs because he's not threatened by no other dogs because he's that confident in himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. when you in when you're in soul focused psychology, you're showing up completely trusting yourself, which means completely having confidence in yourself. So then, how you show up is not about a deficit. There's no deficit you're trying to feel. So when there's no deficit that you are trying to feel, you allow yourself to be fully present. Wow. When we're ego focused, we show up trying to feel a deficit. We show up thinking that something is missing. We show up thinking that we're ugly. We don't smell right. We don't look right. We don't think right. We show up in that mind. And then now imagine a church full of people showing up like that. Right. <laughs> right. And what you, you got? Know, you got exactly what you got right now. Right. 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 And, you know, my dear, one of the things I know I went through on my journey with, with the church and, and organized religion um, and, and it's taken me until recently to be to be able to really come to some understanding around this is that we, you know, you would hear this collective ego notion that, well, we all fall short. Right. We normalize this, this not being our biggest self, not being our most powerful self. You know, we've all sinned. You know, that narrative has in many ways helped to keep this in place. You know, this this fall, you know, this insecurity and living less than what we are really capable of. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. See, what we don't realize is that if we are thinking like ego, just like if we're thinking like soul, it's going to create a pattern of thinking, a pattern of thought. But the pattern of thought is going to be created more in the ego-focused thinking than in the soul-focused thinking because the soul is creating one-of-a-kind moments. And so here's what happens one of a kind, one of a kind moments. They become like lifetime experiences that soul holds 
but it doesn't focus on it because it's having another lifetime experience, another lifetime experience, another life. So every moment for soul is a lifetime experience. So it's, it's creating that kind of pattern, a pattern of showing up unpredictable and spontaneous. That's the pattern. Right. Right. All right. So when you go to you go to a church service, you go to a mosque and it's filled with people who are soul focused in their thought, showing up whole. They are fully present. It's creating those kind of moments. Right. One right. of a kind moments. So as I said earlier, think about how that feels. So then ego is, is opposite. It creates a pattern of incompletes. So when you when you start having no patterns of incompletes, you get stuck. Right. Because you're trying to get your mind out of the moments that you were not complete in. Yeah. It's almost like your mind being in a, a time prison. And, and it has a time stamp on the door of the jail that says the exact time where the event happened where you did not say what you really wanted to say. And if you can imagine in your mind's eye, the, the jail is full of different aspects of you at different times with different time stamps on every door, every cell in the jail and the jail is packed. Right. And all of those prisoners in that jail are you. They are right. aspects of your mind that you got trapped. And that the reason why you are not as powerful as you can be and should be is because you got to have a jailbreak. <laughs> right. Right. And the only way to get the, those portions of your mind freed as a result of getting stuck in time is to start living in time, living in now every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, Madi, you just said jailbreak. Mm -hmm. And as we're, as we're looking through your life, you know, I, I want to, in our next podcast, what I really want to do uh, is move. I mean, you were one of the pioneers in life coaching. And I also know that you had a, a, a pivotal teacher in your life who, who I consider to be an elder, uh, as you being my spiritual mentor and teacher. And so one of the things I want to, uh, for the listeners, I want you to know that as we continue this journey um, of understanding, our next podcast, we're going to move into, you know, both Mahdi's jumping into life coaching, but also his relationship with his his spiritual teacher um, and how that has helped, helped evolve us to the point where we have the Soul Focus group today. Um, does that sound good for you, bro? Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so I'm going to ask our listeners, stay tuned for the next podcast. As always, we love you, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again very soon. Peace.